This podcast is brought to you with limited interruption by Rudy Luther Toyota. Whether looking for an exciting brand new Toyota, a certified pre-owned vehicle, or getting quality routine maintenance and service for your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is the place to go. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. The Matt McNeil Show for your Wednesday. Good to be with you today. Matt and Brett here today. Jeff Stein joins us here to talk. I don't know. I mean, it's, it, 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 is, can I filter it even down to what we're going to talk to him about at this point, Brett? Yeah, you got uh, no shortage of topics. You could go about like three hours with Stein. Oh, he's doing a barbecue. Did I, did I mention this? Uh, well, he, his station down there. Is he the one barbecuing? Uh, this, this is the caucus cookout. That he's having out there. Oh God, if he is that. Oh, I'm. He's not going to hear the end of it. If I he hope is he's the, wearing like a chef's hat, yeah, and a chef's apron during the, the interview. <laughs> Got to get him the anger, the apron for that. Uh, yeah, apparently he's going to be doing a caucus cookout. So if you want to go have you know smoked meats with a bunch of Republicans, hey, why not? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Everything tastes so greasy. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we'll, t- we'll we'll taunt and mock him for that coming up here in a little bit. Uh, joining me right now is Philip Anthony. The Downright Upright Show is a podcast he does here at AM 950 Radio. He was kind enough today to do a show with me as the guest. So I said, okay, reciprocity, my friend. <laughs> I have said, come on into the show. Uh, Philip, thank you very much. I appreciate the time. Thank you for having me, really. It's a pleasure. Oh, my pleasure to have you on in here. So uh, f- first of all, why don't we explain, we do have your show is is a podcast we do that's featured on our website, correct? Correct, yes. Yes. What 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 prompted you? What, what got you to say, you know what, I'm going to try to do this podcast thing. I got some things I need to say, and I'm not hearing them anywhere else. Yeah. Um, I also did the Ellie Krug um, show as well, and I explained it. So what happened was... Um, during the um, primary election of 2020, when the Democrats were all, you know, Pete Buttigieg was running and all those people. Well, one of the people that was running the Pete Buttigieg, uh, she was doing a podcast for him, you know, promoting his campaign. She asked me in the crowd, she said, would you like to do an interview? Mm-hmm. And I said, sure. And she had this little podcast machine and she showed me how to do it. And I said, you know, that's interesting. I, I I think I could do this. And then I met uh, Chad Larson, the owner of the station, at a Blue State Ball. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned it to him. I said, you know, well, I just did this po- podcast with this lady, and she was great, and I think I know how to do this. Oh, yeah, you want to do it? And it just landed in my lap. It was crazy. I couldn't believe it. How long have you been doing the podcast? So May of last year. So what that be a year and a yeah. A little over a year. Well and 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 you you're basically one of the things you do you, you talk about obviously current issues, obviously a lot of pro LGBTQ plus IA plus community uh, issues as well, correct? Correct. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I'm you know full disclosure I'm a gay man mm-hmm. and um, I don't think there's enough uh, uh, you know, uh, shows out there that talk about these issues. Obviously, you know, AM 950 does have Ellie Krug, um, mm. has J.P. Uh, Derbogahosian as well. So, yeah. So thank you, AM 950, for uh, promoting LGBTQ issues. Well, thank you for being awesome. And, that, and, uh, and you see, see it's, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's you're awesome <laughs> and you're bringing, I think it's important information we get out there because we just had that case down 
was it Don Savage? The the where they're having the drag queen story hour, and the, the people look. We 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 like to think that these issues are not still as prevalent, but we have. Yeah, and let's be honest. We have people in the post Roe v. Wade overturning world who are desperate to keep those far right Christians angry at something, mm-hmm. and so they're now going back to the. You know, the, the tried and true conservative well of going after the LGBTQ community. And this is, you know, they they have no problem going out there and vilifying these people just because they're trying to create political points. So mm-hmm. fighting back any way we can is important. Exactly. And I talk about that on my show. I talk about that. I think this hate brings butts to the polls for that, for the Trump side. Mm-hmm. Because I think, you know, love doesn't sell. I hate to say it, Matt. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't. I mean, I try to preach how wonderful it is to be, you know, who I am and how wonderful it is to be, you know, whoever your true self is. And I, um, I don't think they like that. I think they want to segment the country into two, you know, pieces, I guess. And um, it's really unfortunate that there's all this violence. And, I mean, uh, African-Americans are getting killed, gay people, Jews. I mean, it's over just for being who they are. Mm-hmm. And th- and that's exactly what it is. And I, what I'll say when it comes to it, – it's been interesting to watch the evolution of, to a point, acceptance at least here in a good chunk of the metro. Not saying there isn't still bigotry. Not saying there isn't anti-homophobia but, or homophobia, I should say. But, uh, but th- th- it does – I remember I would talk to people in Excelsior and in Wyzetta who were traditionally these conservative areas and now it's like if – I'm going to be a conservative. I've been told I've got to hate my cousin who's gay. I've got to hate my my this my 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 business partner who's uh, who's uh, transgender. I've got to you know I'm not going to do that. And it became this 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 you know you know test for the Republicans. And they in reality is they failed because I think one of the things that happened is that when you when you know the people in the gay community. It becomes very hard to accept this narrative of hate because the thing in outstate Minnesota is now, I mean, there was a far larger show of support for that story down there than there was for the people that were trying to shut it down. Yeah, we talked about that on at the end of um, our show, mm-hmm. my show with you. Mm-hmm. And uh, you talked about Minnesota, you're loving Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota is amazing. I mean, there's protections for trans people in Minnesota now etched in the, in the law that other states do not have. Women's rights are etched in the law. Women can have the right to their to their bodily health and can go to uh, pursue um, abortions if they need one or if they want one, mm-hmm. uh, et cetera, yada, yada. I mean, there's so many things we have that other states, you know, women are, are being forced to give birth in other states. Mm-hmm. Um, doctors Children are, are being forced to give birth well, in other states. There you yeah. go, yeah. And, uh, you know, doctors are leaving in droves. OBGYNs are leaving in droves. They can't. They don't. They feel their hands are tied. Mm-hmm. They can't practice their 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 um, you know their craft. So they have to leave. Uh, trans people. I actually uh, my last one of my last shows I did a uh, with Brett Johnson, who is our producer here. I have um, no idea who he is. I don't either. <laughs> no, no <laughs> just kidding. Uh, so Brett was in the, at the uh, AM nine fifty tent with me, and we were interviewing. Uh, you know, uh, people that were at the um, at the the sta- uh, excuse me the Pride Festival yeah. in um, Minneapolis, and to to a T, people were saying there's a lot of love here. I feel safe here, and there were people that said they moved from other states. Yeah, 
to come to Minnesota so that they could be who they, just to be themselves. It's so amazing. Minnesota, thank you. Thank you, Governor Walls. Thank you to the, uh, to the House and the uh, for for making us people, regular people like everybody else. The same thing. I was at Hopkins Pride and same thing. Yes, people are saying, I've moved here because, hey, you guys accept people here, which is, it's a, it's a lovely, I'm glad we can be a beacon, but it's a shame we have to be a beacon. That's yeah. the, that's, well, that's true. Yes. Uh, one of the things we're going to get into in this next political season is you're going to have, especially the Republicans desperately want to take the House back. Now, the, the governor's office and the Senate are off limits because that's not going to happen until 2026. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to be up against Amy Klobuchar, who's the top of the ticket uh, in Minnesota, along with, uh, you know, at this point, looks like Joe Biden. So it's going to be a tough win for them anyway. They're going to desperately try, Republicans in the state, especially in the House races, are going to desperately try to portray themselves as new age moderates, that they basically, oh, we're not against women's rights to, to you know their own bodies. We're we're not against the LGBTQ community. The reality is is that when you look at the outstate Republicans who right now today are talking about absolute bans on all abortion, making being LGBTQ illegal in the state of Minnesota, I have yet to see anything from the moderate Republicans that tells me that they are going to to stand up for anything outside of caving to what the far right wants. Do you have any faith when you hear moderate Republicans out there saying, no, 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 that's them. I, don't worry. I'm going to still be an ally. If they have the the, the right to, they're, if they're going to be the final vote on a, on a bill that would discriminate against the LGBTQ community, do you feel as if you can trust them or would they you know, run to the other side? Well, I think we've been talking about this before also about Will Hurd. Yeah. Um, he's running for president right now. He's, but he had t- said on on CNN that the LGBTQ community are his friends. Mm-hmm. Just that statement, and he's now below one p- percent in the polls um, right now because he said that. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's mind boggling that you can't just. I'm a taxpayer. I was born here. I'm an American, just like you are. I am not grooming your children. I am not doing all of the things that you hear from the far right, not the right, because there are, like you said, moderate Republicans that are, you know, have, you know, half a brain. And um, we have to stop dehumanizing people. That's mm-hmm. that's the bottom line here. You know, I'm 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 a taxpayer like you are, Matt. Like Brett is, like everybody is. I was born in the United States. I'm an American citizen. I'm not one of these people, so-called, that crossing the border Ill- illegal aliens, unquote, that they call it. You know, so uh, demon demonization is not, you know, my cup of tea. I don't like listening to that. I want to hear what you're going to do for Americans in general. Are you going to give us health care? Are you mm-hmm. going to help, you know, people, um, you know, uh, if they have a, a child? you know, be able to stay home with their child for whatever period of time to take care of the child, mm-hmm. you know, like maternity leave, uh, paid maternity leave, I think it's called, uh, and paternity leave. So, et cetera, all those issues. But you don't hear issues. You're just hearing bloviations, I guess, is, is the well, word. Well, but isn't that the sign of a weak political party? They can't convince people to vote them on their platform, so they have to scare yes. people into trying to vote for them or at least appeal to that base hate core mm-hmm. which exists, which you know generally tragically brings out the voters when it, they need them the most. Yeah, yeah. I, I said that. Yeah, hate is a very strong motivator 
you know, unfortunately, mm-hmm. you know. But see, Democrats, we don't look at that kind of stuff. We're always talking about policy. Did you notice that? <laughs> well, is it right silly to do me. it? Yes, yeah, silly me. Silly me, you know. Well, I mean, but you're right. I mean, I look at um, okay, so you got paid sick leave. I look at the free school lunch. I look at preserving transgender rights. What do those three things have in common? Well, it's basically taking care of people. Regular people. And that's you know? all you're doing. I mean, at the end of the day, you're taking care of a person. Mm-hmm. And if you look at those things and you say, well, you can't do that, that's that's you. There's something inside you that's wrong. Mm-hmm. That's not us. That's it's you need to go talk to a counselor, you need to go do something. <laughs> but you you know, it's if you can't look at saying, you know, um, we're gonna offer free school lunches to kids, and you can't how dare you? What is freaking wrong with you? I know. You know, know. And, and so it's I think that that's kind of the I like being on the side that actually cares about other human beings, even ones that are different than me. Maybe because... we're wired differently as Democrats, Matt. I think that's just. How I don't think I we're look selfish. At... I don't think we're, and that's a that's a very that might be a cold way to say it. I don't think we're selfish. No. It's it's the person. Okay, if, if I can bring in a weird analogy for you. <laughs> okay, it's, let's it's, do it's, it. it's at the gym. You're at the gym, okay. and there are two types of people: the people that will wipe. Well, there's three types of people: people that don't wipe down the equipment at all. You know, libertarians. Oh, yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> but you have people that will wipe down the equipment before they use it and then go someplace else. Or and then there are people that wipe down the equipment after you use it and mm-hmm. then go someplace else. And the way I think about it is I think Democrats are the latter. They think about other people and say, you know what, I'm going to clean up my mess and take care of it. Mm-hmm. Conservatives are the other side. They're like, I'm just going to make this good for me. I don't care about anyone else. And that is – and then there are the libertarians that never wipe down anything. But that's them. <laughs> but uh, no, yep. but I think I think that that's kind of the – you know, to a point, are we wired differently? I think – there's just there's a there's a decency factor here, and I think that people that generally do care, not it's it's not absolute. There are people on both sides. There are jerks who are progressives. Yeah. But there and there are really nice people who are who are conservatives. But the reality is, is if I was to basically boil that down, it's a there's a selfishness problem I think that exists on the right. Yeah, I think I, I think when you talk about Republicans, I I don't like to talk. In generalizations, because yeah. again, you have those Eisenhower Republicans that are still lingering out there. A few there. of them, yeah, there are. They're still there. <laughs> they are, they are there. I actually know one. Hi there, um, and they they just want um, less government. They want um, people to to you know the quote um, you know pick yourself up by your own bootstrap thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't totally agree with that, obviously, because I'm a progressive, but. At least it's a it's an issue that they can mm-hmm. talk about. It's not a demonization. It's not a marginal. It's just an issue that they feel. Mm-hmm. They don't like Donald Trump when he turns around and he says, you know, there are good and bad people on both sides when it came to uh, uh, um, Charlottesville. Uh, Char- yeah. Charlottesville. Yes, thank you. So yeah, I mean, there are they're out there. Yeah, and I think that you just you kind of alluded to it. I know a lot of them too that are that are just really they're very good Republicans. I mean, the old Ventura style independent, which was fiscally conservative, socially liberal. Exactly. And I mean, I mean, I knew a lot of Republicans back in the '80s who were pro-abortion and pro-birth control, and so that was that was. The, but they've weeded them all out of that party. Mm-hmm. But it comes down to this: it's great. That, who did you vote for in 2016 and 2020? Because if you just sit there and say, well, I, I just can't have the Democrats win, 
well, then you're kind of more the problem than the solution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, I, I think of it that way. But it, 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 like I said, and I know plenty of jerks on the, on the left. I know, right, Brett? Anyway, uh, I know plenty of bad people on the left <laughs> that, that are there. Uh, but no, I, I, oh. it is. It, there are no absolutes. But the reality is, is there's a reason why as many people voted for Trump that voted for Trump. And they just they they're only looking out for themselves, yeah. and 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 it's the Ayn Rand selfishness is a virtue crap, and that's 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 really we need to purge that from our society. I think. Yeah, and, and you know, at, at being you know a, a gay man and mar- I'm married to my husband, we don't have children. Yeah. When people say, "Do you?" Well, it's, it's like when you know you have to pay taxes for someone's kid. You know, because you know you you, you know your property taxes go up because of schools, right? Yeah. I don't have a problem with that. I don't have any children. And I am happy to have your children have a good education because guess what? The I'm smarter them, my yeah. country is, the better <laughs> I'm going to need them later either if I'm a business owner, I'm going to need them. Or if, God forbid, I'm sick, I'm older, I need nurses and doctors, I want them to get the best damn education they can get. That's exactly right. And so the point I'm trying to make basically in a nutshell here is that – I don't look at myself first when it comes to the general society. I look at what's best for everybody mm-hmm. and what will make us a society. So mm-hmm. um, education is great to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, <laughs> and children getting food in school. Heaven forbid, yes. You know, is wonderful to me. I mean, did you see those kids that when Governor Walls signed that bill? They were hugging him and kissing, thank you, and <laughs> – it was it was a love fest. It was you know? a photo op of all time, man. Of all, that was, that was that my was, favorite of all time. He looked like Santa. That he would, oh. he would, those kids. Were oh, he was. He, it, that was that was. And I knew a lot of Republican heads that exploded that. Oh day, yeah, so. yeah, me too. Yeah. Philip Anthony, the downright upright uh, upright show. This is uh, it, it, it's on our website am950radio.com, right? Correct. How often yeah. does it come on out with a new show? Well, uh, again, that's it's periodically. So sometimes once a week, sometimes every two weeks. So it depends on my um, my personal schedule. <laughs> <All right. It's, laughs> so, I appreciate you having me on your show. I, I, I look forward to giving oh that a listen God, back. You were great. Thank you, sir. And I would encourage all your listeners to go to the Downright Upright show on AM 950 Radio and listen to the episode. It'll be probably be posted this Monday, if, right, Brett? If you're if you're hearing us. Um, yep. We'll get it posted on Monday. Find it wherever you get your podcast. We have it everywhere. And yeah. you can and can find the web uh, the Twitter feed. Uh, I'm calling it Twitter. No, I'm not calling it X. What's that it, X? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a downright U P R G H T. Right? Mm-hmm. I couldn't fit the I. So <laughs> <laughs> downright U P R G H T. I'll link to all this a little bit later on. Uh, thank you very much, Philip. I really appreciate that. Oh, my time. God. Thank you so much. You are amazing. And I want to thank you on behalf of the LGBTQ community for all you do for us. And um, you're a perfect ally. Everybody should be like you. We're 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 all the same. We're yeah, all equals. We're all human you know, beings. We are all yeah. human beings. That's what race do I belong in? I'm the human race. And that's all that is. So Exactly. A thank pleasure. You. Thank yeah. you very thank much. You so much. Let's take a break. Yeah. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. 952-946-6205. By the way, hey, the Twins lost. We were up, and then we did word, and then we went to the 10th, and hey, hey, 
Uh, Duran and Pagan aren't really great pitchers. Have we, can I? We can come. I mean, Duran can pitch a, a, a hundred and five miles an hour, but uh, yeah, he's yeah. They're not really great pictures, and and you know this is this is why you know what no one's more excited about Gopher football than I am right now because <laughs> I'm sorry. This is why Twins. I can't get excited about you. Sure, you go and do a number on the Texas Rangers. You make it look good. You get that first big win. And this was an opportunity. You could have been eight games up, eight games up in the American League Central with the rest of the month to play. And now you're only five games up. They got three games against you again. There's no reason in the world. I have zero doubt. I think what's going to happen is they're going to go down and te- they'll go down to Texas. They'll win one out of three there, and then get swept at, at Cleveland. And there's a decent chance the Cleveland uh, the Cleveland Guardians will be in first place by the time the Twins get back home. At least we'll have a pennant race, though. <laughs> yeah, lamest, I know. I'm with you. Eight. The lamest pennant race in the history of mankind. Who can finish above 500? <laughs> It just this is why I can't I, I can't get excited about you. Sure, you. I mean, this is the, the argument people will make is well, they're going to make the playoffs. I don't know if they are. I'm sorry, I don't. I, I think this team is just waiting to choke away. And frankly, if they do, everyone has to go. If they do, Rocco's got to go. All of his coaching staff has got to go. The front office, I would say, clean house there too, because. You shouldn't be this bad. And I can just make this point, and I've said this before. If Ron Gardenhire was in charge of this team, we'd be up with at least 15 more wins on the season. At least 15 more wins. Just, It's just, yeah. 9529. It hurts so much. Uh, what's the line? Do you know what the line on the Gopher football Nebraska game is tomorrow? I don't, but I would venture to guess the golfers have to be a favorite they, nebraska is, has not been relevant in over a decade but they they oh you know how they do it man they always downplay us they always they're always going to you know, play against us here uh here it is is it uh minnesota what's the what's the line here i got it right here I think, uh, they're playing at home too i could maybe see them giving nebraska the edge if it was in lincoln but uh yeah they, they should beat nebraska uh minnesota by seven by, by, right. by a touchdown. So <laughs> prepare to pop that bubble early. <laughs> Actually, I think that they, I hope they will win. My son, it's been fun because my son goes to the University of Minnesota. He's got his season tickets. He's extremely excited. I said, have you seen the schedule? It's, I think, the second hardest college football schedule in the nation. And he's like, I don't care. It's just great. I love it. This is his first season with season tickets? Oh, no. He's had them for – he was actually in one of the promotional videos for the football team. He was one of those kids that was screaming on the sidelines. I was like, dear God, just we're not going to let anyone see that video. You might might go find him. I'm not going to tell you who he is. He's he's a little excited about go for football. 952-946-6205-952-946-6205. We'll take a break. Come on back. Uh, Jeff Stein, when we do return, it's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Steins, our national and presidential expert, noted author. Find his books over at Next Chapter Books at TotallyIowa.com. The Iowa Politics Report and the Iowa Business Report come to us from KXEL in Cedar Falls, Waterloo. 
Hello, Jeff. How are we today? Well, I can't speak for you. I'm fine. And so, therefore, if you're fine, we must be tremendous. Okay. Well, you... Okay, so I got your press release uh, in regards to the... uh, (laughs) The barbecue uh, that you're 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 going to be apparently are you working the grill that day? No, we already had it. It was uh, our caucus cookout, okay. is what it was called, caucus cookout, and it was uh, last Saturday, and we had 250 people and some presidential candidates and a fine time to be had by all. And I know you love yourself some smoked grilled pork loin. Well, is that what? So, were you? Were you? Did you have the kiss the cook apron on? Were you serving up platters full of that? What what candidates came up to you and said, "Hey, I, I, I'd like a, a you know some breast meat." Well, you know, who who is the 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 the, the, the candidates that showed up? Okay, first of all, pork loin. <laughs> So that is not breast meat. I don't know. I, don't I knew. Know. I knew when I said that the Iowan and you would come out. It's like, how dare you, sir? All right. So you 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 got a slab of pork loin. Who did you who did you feed first? In a big grill. I mean, we had professional grillers. This is not like I got a little bag of Kingsford and fired up burgers. No, okay? but we I would profession- pay money. I would pay money to do that because you want to know the truth is in Iowa, you could do that and you'll still get about 20 of the candidates out there. Well, absolutely. So, I mean, we had Ramaswamy. We had Larry Elder. Uh, and, we, you know, we had half of the campaigns represented in one way or another, either the candidate, a spouse, or a surrogate. Yeah. And uh, the food was free. And it was oh. air-conditioned. You'd have showed up. Oh, well, dang right I would. Well, I mean, I mean, okay, I'll say this about Iowa. There's some things, you know, every place has its pluses and minuses. You will not find better pork or corn any on the, anywhere on the planet than Iowa. It is delicious. Did you have corn on the cob? No, we actually had uh, the pork loin. Okay. We had um, some fine Iowa beef burgers that were grilled up that okay. were quite tasty. Uh, we had potato salad. We had baked beans. We had ice cream. Okay. What more do you need? Obviously, an invite before after the fact. Is this why you sent me the press release afterwards, just so McNeil wouldn't show up? <laughs> Gosh, I thought I told Patrick to tell you. He's not there to defend himself, right? Okay. I thought it was safe. Yeah. Hey, right. and, but one thing about this, none of the food, none of the food was on a stick. Wow. Yeah, you see, that's there's always there's always an opportunity for an awkward candidate photo when you put something on a stick, man. You got to do better than that. It was awkward enough, but <laughs> we're going to do uh, something similar at the National Cattle Congress next month, and you could come to this. Okay, we are having our our eighth annual celebrity cow milking contest. Oh God, I've got tender hands. Let's see what I can do. Well, uh, I think the cows would appreciate that. Yeah, it's, it's, come to think of it, no calluses on that man. Uh, so <laughs> they, they, we, we started calling it the celebrity milking contest, and then it was pointed out that's not really what we meant. We were milking cows. Well, Celebrities like... <laughs> were milking cows, and we had to change the name, and and it was much better. So uh, you can come to that and see how you do. Well, you know, if if you're needing celebrities and there's going to be milking involved, hey, I'll be there. But you have to have the baked beans. I'm I'm a big fan of those. So just make sure well, you're there, you and, and I'm there for the milking. All right. So 
Um, I have some baked beans left in the fridge if you want me to hold on to them I, until you get here next month. I have month. zero doubt you have like a punch bowl of baked beans left over because that's no, what always happens. Better. It's a white, it's a white bucket <laughs> with a lid and a handle. You know, it's it's like real live K twelve lunch lady bucket. <sighs> All right. We are going to change very <laughs> we're going to do a very direct change here. We have to talk All about right. this. Mitch McConnell, okay. he froze up again. Uh, this is okay and uh, and this is clearly he's having some problems here. He was uh, he was unable to speak with reporters in Kentucky one just month after another episode he had on Capitol Hill. There have been some other reports that behind the scenes he's had other moments where he's just frozen up. It's, you know, I, you know, we've, we, uh, Diane Feinstein over in California, we've had, you know, questions about, um, her, her ability to serve. And there are some questions here. The reality is, is that yeah, I, I think if you're getting to the point where there's questions about your ability to function in the job, regardless of what political party, you know, all my best, go get the help you need. And, you know, you, you know, in regards to McConnell, I, I, I'm going to only guess the only reason he's still there is because the governor of Kentucky is a Democrat and he'd be able to appoint the replacement. Well, he also doesn't want to give up the power. Yeah, well, that's for sure. That he might be, might be lucid. Now, any Republican who over the last three years has pointed at Joe Biden and said what, uh, you know, that he's failing and he has cognitive problems, et cetera, then every one of those people needs to look at the video I saw today of Senator McConnell. And again, this was to me, Matt, far worse than the, the very public freezing at the nation's capital. It was frightening. And I am not being nasty about it. The man took a fall and hit his head and was hospitalized. There is obviously still problems resulting from that. And it doesn't have anything to do, to your point, it has nothing to do with pol- political party. It has nothing to do with age, actually. It has to do with, do you have some issue that makes it difficult for you to carry out your job? And this is, this is just frightening to see any family not intervene. And, and again, Senator Feinstein's another perfect example. Uh, what this does to the people's legacy... Oh, it, it's just it's just horrible because to your point about Kentucky, Democrat governor. Well, don't want don't want that to happen. Uh, California, if she were to resign, yes, there's a Democrat governor, but who does he pick? Because there's an election next year, and you have a whole line of Democrats already running, and you have charges of favoritism. That all should just not matter. Yep. You know, how about a little grace well, for these poor human beings? And, and I'm going to just say this about California, is that there are plenty, it's California, there are plenty of Democrats. Heck, I mean, I, I think, you know, you'd even be, and I know some Democrats might get upset about this, I think you could put someone like Schwarzenegger in there, and, and, and I don't think anyone would really have a problem. I don't think he has any intention of trying to run for that office. I think you could do something like that. He'd probably be, you know... You can find someone in California that has nothing to do with that race and put them in there. I, I think what you just said, though, is that the question comes down to is if the individual that's having the trouble is still trying to seize the power that they have, then, you know, you have to have you help someone behind the scenes is like, OK, power is one thing, but this is not how you want your legacy to be written. It's grace. It's compassion. And. We have a country to run. Yeah. All right, let's not forget that. And so, again, I say to folks on either side, 
if you've been pointing at people, people on the right, if you've been pointing at Biden and Feinstein and saying how poor, uh, you know, bad off they are, then you better be singing the same song about Senator McConnell, who clearly, clearly has issues, and vice versa. I mean, anybody on the left who's saying uh, Mitch needs to go, well, look around. I mean, at what point will there just be compassion for the human being? Um, there's a, another issue. I want to actually retouch on something that you mentioned last week, and it's, I think we need to do a little bit of a clarification because I had multiple listeners call up and just kind of ask for a little bit of clarification on something you said. And it's sure. in regards to the right to a speedy trial. And you had made the point that Trump, you know, the, the right to a speedy trial is not something the prosecutor is able to necessarily bank on. It's something the prosecute the person that is being prosecuted can use if they want. And we're already seeing in Georgia some people who say they want a speedy trial. But right. the way that I think it came across is, and this is not what you're meaning, is that no, Donald Trump does not have the ability to look at a prosecutor in any of these cases and say, well, you can't prosecute me. I'm, I'm entitled to go to trial when I want to. You don't oh, have to prosecute me until till, till 2030. It's, you know, in the case of, uh, in, in both the Atlanta case and the D.C. case, it seems like what they've done the, the, the people that are bringing the charges have really laid out a pretty tight case, which in their mind doesn't feel as if it needs a lot of extra time. It's when they set that timeline up, that's where you go from. So the, the prosecutor, the person that's prosecuting the crime, they're going to put out their suggestion of when they would want the trial to start. That doesn't mean that the judge has to go with it, but it is also a, a kind of a guideline for where at least the prosecution is on the case. Typically, it's a 90-day period for speedy trial. That's the case in most jurisdictions. So if you are arrested, the defendant has to invoke speedy trial. The idea is to make sure that prosecutors don't arrest someone, anyone, have them in custody for years on end, and then just never tries the case. So the right to demand speedy trial is solely the defendant. However, once they waive it, it does not mean that they control the calendar. The only way they control the calendar is to ask for a quick trial within that, that 90-day period. The, the one thing now, if, if you want to look at, at uh, the Trump case where they said um, March 4th, right? That's the, uh, Day before that's the case in D.C. Yeah. Okay. So let's just do some rounding here because we're almost to the end of August. That's all of September, all of October, all of November, December, January, and February, right? Yep. Six months from the time they have set the trial date to the trial. That is not an uncommon calendaring, all right? So I know those on the right are saying, well, that's right next to Super Tuesday. Well... It could be right next to not as great Tuesday two weeks later. I mean, you can always find some reason. You know, well, you know, you've got Thanksgiving and Christmas. Those are two days. <laughs> okay, mm -hmm. so the, the point that the judge made in saying, I understand there are other things that Mr. Trump may want to do, and this is where the problem's going to come in. She said, this case takes priority over other cases. Mm -hmm. Not really sure how that's going to go over, because if there's anything, and I say this was with respect about a judge, the judge believes their jurisdiction is superior to all others. But leave that one alone. 
she said, just like any other criminal defendant, this one has to arrange his commitments accordingly. And a lot of them on the right said, well, that's terrible. Well, it's six months from the time they set the trial date is when the trial would be held. If there are issues in the discovery process, if there are issues with regard to witnesses, statements, interviews, all the things you do leading up to a trial, if there are issues that mean it is not fair for either side, one or the other, to have the trial that date, you make a motion to have it continued. Okay, mm-hmm. the idea of saying 2026 because they had two and a half years to get up to get the case together, I should have two and a half years to get ready for it. That's nothing but showboating, and we we said that at the time. So I mean, it's you have to make sure that this defendant is treated the same as others. Would others have a six month lead time for trial? Mm-hmm. I would suggest yes. When you have complexity like 18 co-defendants and trying to remove it to federal court, does that change the dynamic? Yes. But again, when these prosecutors have said, we want to do this quickly, well, once there's a waiver of speedy trial, it's only the judge who determines the trial date, period. In, in Atlanta, you brought that up. Uh, there's a few of the, mm-hmm. the, the, of the 19 that do want to have a speedy trial. And it sounds like Fannie Willis is trying to the, to get it to where they're going to include all of them in a, a speedy trial. Um, you know, we'll get back to Mark Meadows here in a second because there's another issue there. We'll talk about that after the break. But I want to talk about the you know just the legal side of that. In in a, a RICO case, is that a possibility for the the district attorney or the whoever the prosecutor is to basically be able to say, okay, wait a second here, it's a RICO case. I don't want people trying to manipulate the system to basically try to, you know, give outs to, you know, give outs for themselves and give outs to other people. And so then we're going to just, if, if one person wants it, we can move the whole thing. Can they do that in a RICO case? Or is that still individually that they're separate, even though it is a RICO case? Well, they are each charged separately and they can be found not guilty or guilty separately. And so if I'm the, the criminal defense attorney, and you're telling me I have to have a trial sooner, and it jeopardizes my client's right to a fair trial, I'm going to resist. That's not an automatic. Now, obviously, the DA is going to say, well, i got to have all of these mopes in the courtroom at the same time in order to make my case. Well, I don't know that you really have to. And the thing is, if some of these people, as they have, have invoked the right to speedy trial... You cannot get around that. Mm-hmm. You have to, because that's constitutional. I mean, that, that's, that's black-letter law. Uh, whether or not you can force a defendant who has a valid claim to not, being, not having enough time to prepare for trial, boy, that's a tough one. Because mm-hmm. now you're, 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 you're opening up appeal issues. Well, and and also in the in the idea of the speedy trial, the people that are being prosecuted, they're trying to beat the, the beat it to the punch. They they don't want people flipping, and if they can get this their court trials done quickly, then before someone else flips, they might be able to get away with either a lesser penalty or no penalty at all. So I can see that, but I I just don't think even if they went with a speedy trial, which I think is mid October. I don't believe that I, I gotta believe there's gonna be at least a few Cirque du Soleil flips going on here before too long. Well, I mean the trapezes are set up yes, out there are. at the CNN Plaza <laughs> just just for fun, you know, Peachtree Plaza and trapezes on Friday midday. Well, here's one thing though that and 
I, I have not studied this enough to know that this holds water. But a lot of those who are demanding speedy trial in the Atlanta case are lawyers. And they're setting up a defense of saying, I simply gave legal advice. I didn't act on anything. I simply gave legal advice. And if they can peel apart quartets of defendants, in essence, and they get acquittals on, I was just giving legal advice, that makes it a very different case going down the line against the ultimate target, which is the former president. Here's where that, and, and we don't have really time, but the, the one problem they run into with that is that they had case after case after case that was thrown out. So at some point, their legal institu- intuition should have kicked in. Maybe we don't actually have the right, you know, the law on our side on this case. So I've heard some people say that that is going to be a little bit of a problem for them. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Mark Meadows, I want to talk about him directly because I think there's some bad news coming down his way. It doesn't mean that he's definitely not going to go into federal court, but it seems like they're, the, the judge that's weighing this idea is thinking about splitting these charges up, which is not going to help Meadows at all. Jeff Stein joining us with his usual Wednesday visit, 952-946-6205. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. Jeff Stein joining us, getting ready to fire up the, fire the up King's there. briquettes out there for us. <laughs> Jeff, uh, so I wanted to ask you a little bit about Mark Meadows because Mark Meadows put out a case. His, he's trying to make the argument that he can go to go federal to government federal. or federal court uh, because he says he was acting in, a, in the capacity of the White House. It's interesting because the judge has come back and he's actually asked the, yeah. the Franny Wills, can you basically break these charges apart? Because it, apparently he feels as if there might be one or two of them that might actually be there. But he's also saying there's clearly some ones which do belong in Atlanta state court, which is the bad sign for Meadows. Because if he has even one charge there, it's 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 not something I think he's prepared for. What, what's your thoughts on that? Thoughts on that. Well, first of all, I can now hear you through the stream yard. I couldn't before, so I don't know what fixed, but now everything's wonderful. Um, If you split charges, one of the things that you're doing is you're having to now go two different places, and that's the part that you're getting at. That doesn't really help him. You know, it's sort of like he needs an all or or nothing. But um, what I found interesting was he's showing up at these hearings and talking. Oh, yeah. You know. Are, are you sure you really want to? Yeah, ask me anything. I mean, it's sort of like he's, he's very happy to tell the story. And, and as you and I have talked previously, he's, you know, the one voted most likely to flip by the, uh, by the class of 23. <laughs> the, the Cirque du Soleil the institution, yes. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is battle of the uh, network Circus of the Stars kind of, kind of thing here. He's just flying through the air. No, I, I think he's it. He is the one who did himself the most good at the January sixth grand jury, and he's now trying that that same literally singing like a like a canary here. Uh, and I and I don't I, I don't know I don't uh, he's certainly um, being consistent in terms of the story he's telling, and that could help him. Uh, avoid wearing a striped uh, jumpsuit for a few years. And you can you can hear me right now, Jeff? 
Yep. Beautiful. So the question then comes in is, as you as you said, he basically had a, a bunch of this where he was out there insisting, oh, this was Trump. I was following Trump's orders. I was following Trump's orders. Isn't the argument he's making that is unless all those charges get put to federal court, as you just sort of said, he blabbed, he blabbed, he blabbed, he blabbed. I mean, my my thought is is that if this goes back and stays in this court, he they can admit all these co- things that he said into his case, can't they? But did it hurt him? I'm not sure anything he said hurt him. Because, mm-hmm. for example, if the best that they have is that he, uh, the president asked him to get a phone number for somebody, Meadows gets the phone number, he connects the call, you know, did he go beyond that? I don't know. I mean, the, the indictment is very much a kitchen sink sort of an indictment. And, and, and the idea is to get as many people in there as possible who have their necks on the chopping block to then give each of them little pieces of the puzzle that then they can use against the former president. And well, so who cares if he's blabbing all over the place? I mean, yes, they can use it, but he obviously thinks that he's got a pretty good uh, defensible situation. Well, and he, he also did do the I don't recall stuff with, you know, when you say, who do you know who was on the call with you? I said, I don't recall. I don't think that's going to play well. It, 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 that case is, I think that case, a lot of that case is going to stay in Atlanta. Jeff Stein, once again, will re-air this on the weekend. Find his books at Next Chapter Books. We'll talk to him next week. Hour two, that's coming up next. Hour number two of the show here on your Wednesday. Matt Brett here today. 952-946-6205-952-946-6205. I, 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 I think if Meadows, Meadows' gamble is to basically get that whole case put up to federal court, and if his, if that, and the judge is already that's uh, you know determining this has already said, well, wait a second here, it looks like some things are state, definitely state involved. If any of those charges stayed on the state, you know, it's going to be a lot of people pointing to Trump, but the reality is, is that it's. Meadows is going to flip and flip fairly quickly, I think. 952-946-6205. Once again, I went through a hurricane when I was a little kid in Rhode Island. It was a Category 1. I will not live in a place that has a lot of hurricanes. And I know I I love going to South Carolina. It's down there. But, man, that is one thing that I've thought about. If if I do retire and, like, I move someplace like that, you know, would I want to be down that area? Dude, that just that storm came out of nowhere, barreled north. They got a caught a break. I don't know if you saw this. It was category four right before it hit land and then and then it went down to category three, which wasn't that much great. It was like a five mile an hour difference. It went from one thirty is category four. That's sustained winds by the eye. 130 mile an hour sustained winds. Um it went down to one twenty-five. And so it went back to a category three, but still a large swath of Florida is you know, basically un- half underwater, half in ruins. Nope. Uh, I have zero interest in, in living down there. I think it's tough for us in the Midwest to kind of comprehend what sustained 120 mile an hour winds sound and feel like. It's it's unbelievable from what I hear about. Well, it. and I, when I was a kid, we, you know, I don't think the eye went over us directly per se, but it was, it was near. And I remember it, it was like a category one. It was like 80 mile an hour winds. It sounded like a train right outside the house the entire day. I mean, just, it's, it's, we get a 40 mile an hour gust and we feel like, oh, it's windy. That's half of what this is. I, you know, I, I do feel sorry for the people that are down there. I will say, send everything we've got, help these people out. That's the kind of person I am. But you see, is that's the the kind of per, that that's the kind of people that the people are banking on. 
And uh, there are a lot of people in this area who are whenever a say tornado hits Oklahoma or a forest fire hits California or something like that, they're screaming, why are you wasting my taxpayer dollars helping those people? And all of a sudden now it's like, we need help. And I don't, hey, I'm all for helping. But, you know, reminder, this is, this is, you live in Florida. So if anyone down there is complaining about anyone else getting emergency aid for natural disasters, just shut up if you could. Um, A lot of damage. Here's the crazy part. Is it still got a chance? This hurricane could go back out into the Atlantic. And there for a while there was a speculation it might actually curve back around and smack into Miami. Regain strength and smack into Miami. Is that still a possibility? I'm not sure, but that's a terrifying possibility because, as you mentioned, yeah, if that thing goes back out to sea, it's going to regain some of that strength that may have lost. Did you do you see the water temperature off of Miami or southern Florida? It was 101 degrees. Seems pretty warm. That, pretty that's a hot tub. Yeah. That's a hot tub. More than pretty warm. You're right. Yeah, that is a hot tub temperature. <laughs> that's a hot tub. You'd, that's, you know, put a tea bag in that sucker, man. Um Oh my God! I I, I just that, that's why they said that this, this hurricane. I mean, it was a clumping of rain showers off the Yucatan Peninsula, and in 500 miles became a you know Category Four juggernaut. God, you put that over a 100 or yeah 100 degree water. That's just like pouring lighter fluid all over that thing. Yeah, that explodes with strength. I live in Minnesota for a reason. By the way, State Fair. Speaking of living in Minnesota, they almost broke the record yesterday. Did you see that? They were. Basically, 2,000 2, people short of the new record. The record for the daily record for the Tuesday edition of the State Fair uh, was set in 2019 at 136,000. We were at 134,952. So, th- still, even we're back. That's a lot of that's a lot of pickle stuff. So there, there you go. Uh, I haven't heard. I, I haven't seen too many signs today on if it's really busy today. Uh, a little more. They would need to get 145, basically 145,000 today if they were going to beat that. Although, I'll drive past these parking rides and they're packed to the gills early. I mean, I've already told my daughter we're getting up. We're going to go first thing in the morning on, on Friday. And they're saying that you still could end up waiting 45 minutes for a bus to get out there. Uh, so, yeah, just keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. So I want to, yesterday, I talked about the new bill that basically prevents the police from, you know, basically, it's, it's, it's if I can be blunt, it's a really lame attempt at trying to give some level of accountability to school resource officers. These are police officers for the most part that are brought into these school buildings. And they're pulled they're now currently being pulled out of some Minnesota school districts by police departments and sheriff's offices amid complaints over limits of use of force that went into effect under the recently enacted law. Andover's and Moorhead's police department have put their respective programs on hold. Well on Tuesday the Hennepin County Sheriff's Office announced it will remove its SROs school resource officers from the Rockford Area School District as well. The new law, part of the larger education bill passed by the legislature, bans school employees from holding students face down the prohibition. So I want to go through this again because I'm not really quite sure what the problem is here. So the first thing they can no longer do is do what they did to George Floyd. 
which is hold someone face down on the ground. Okay, they can't do that in a prone position. Nope, can't do that. All right, are police officers really upset about this? I, I, I mean, I frankly, I would be, unless you know, I mean, if there was someone who was threatening serious bodily harm to someone, I would have no problem with that to try to save people's life. But I want to make sure we point this out. Under this law, if that's the scenario, fine, you can do that. It's This is not a ban per se. It's only if basically there isn't a threat of, of immediate bodily harm or death that they can't use that. So, you know, to give you a scenario police officers walking down the hallway of a school two kids are fighting he sees one has pulled a knife that's bodily harm then all bets are off he can use any hold position technique he can use to get that guy down and stay and, and stop bodily harm we're all clear on that right I mean, so it's not like they can't say it's, they, it's the, the conservatives are trying to portray this as hey you you can't do that as he stabs someone. No, the police officer, there are actual law in the book. The, the law says if that's happening, then they can basically, none of this stuff applies. They can do whatever they need to do to save people's lives. Okay. <laughs> so I don't know. The other things is they, they, um, they cannot put a comprehensive restraint on the head, neck, or torso uh, across most of the torso. So let me give you another example here. So a police officer is walking down the hall of a school, and some kid goes, it's a blanking pig. All right? Not appropriate. It's not nice. But the police officer can't basically choke him out because he said something he didn't like. All right, I think we're all okay with this, right? I mean, this is so it, it's it sets the thing that a police officer just can't use force willy nilly. That they basically have to have a justification for the force, and I am flabbergasted that the police are. That, I mean, because once again, if there's threat of bodily harm or death, that's a direct quote. Then all bets are off. You can use the face down prone position. You can use a restraint on the head, a restraint on the neck, or across the middle of the to- torso. If there is threat of bodily harm or death, all right, done. This is basically there. And it wasn't until the end of the show yesterday, after the show, Patrick came in and he goes, You know what it is, I think, is that when they make a mistake, they don't want to be held accountable. Now, what, and by the way, Patrick was exactly right. That's what's really going on here. And when I say make a mistake, it's when some hot-headed cop basically decides to take out his bad day on a, uh, on a kid, and all of a sudden, he's got him face down on the ground with a broken nose, and he has to be revived, and all of a sudden, people are asking the question, so what happened? And so, well, he called me a pig. Well, what else happened? Did he pull a knife? No, I just lost it. What the police departments are saying is, well, that's an oopsie. Oopsie. <laughs> you can't hold them accountable if it's an oopsie. And that's the case. So that seems to be, and I think Patrick's actually 100% right. I think the whole thing here is this, is that when it comes, you know, I'm tired of police departments saying I'm all for accountability. And when we try to put in what is 
clearly just the most basic level of accountability. Because once again, threat of bodily harm and death. They can use the face-down prone position. They can use a restraint on the head, neck, or across the torso. They can use those things. It's only when there isn't those things present that they can't use them. Well, so what is going on here? And what it is is they want, they want the ability for a police officer to never be held accountable if he pistol whips some kid because the kid was getting uppity. And that's what this, this has got to be the only thing this is about. Well, he shouldn't have done that. Well, you know, you put that in the law and you say he shouldn't have done it. Well, now you got accountability. This is bull. Now, I'm going to play some audio for you. This is from Heartland Signal. Now, what you're about to hear is the media question. This is Zach Duckworth and the other Republicans are out there desperately trying to turn this into an issue. So once again, the issue they're saying is how, you know, sure, we want accountability, but how dare you have any even minor level of accountability here? And this is basically about making excuses when a, a police officer chokes out somebody because he just doesn't like his attitude or he didn't spit out his gum fast enough or he was tardy to a class or he, you know, he basically he's having a bad day and he gets loses his temper that there, there shouldn't be any accountability there. Basically that you can't do that, that that's just that you have to basically give the police that kind of leeway to pistol whip a kid if they want to. And that's not what this bill allows. And that's what seems like is the problem here. So the media asks Duckworth, who basically tries to give a political answer, then say, well, I'm not trying to be political. <laughs> but then they come back and say, wait a second here, you're not answering the question. The reality is, is that when pressed on what exactly is the problem, where is the problem in the bill, they can't answer this. Go ahead. Let's play this clip, uh, clip from Heartland Single. It seems like the main concern here is ambiguity with this law. Are you able to point to a specific line or portion, one or two lines that you're concerned about and that police officers are concerned about as it pertains to what's written in this law where you say, this is what we have issue with right here? Sure, I'll take a step at it first and I'll invite anybody uh, from the law enforcement uh, community to come forward and cite anything that they have a specific concern with. And what I would invite you to do is go back uh, to uh, the hearing that was held in the Education Policy Committee all the way back in February where during that committee, I cited the very specific lines in this bill I thought were going to be an issue. Uh, when I recommended to the bill author, when I recommended to the Minnesota Department of Education, when I recommended to the folks representing the governor's bill, that they needed to dive deeper into the language and have conversations with law enforcement and school officials to prevent the very situation we're experiencing now. now I'm not here to cast blame. I'm more uh. interested in helping to fix this, uh, but this was not a surprise. This issue was raised back in February. It's public record. If you go back and look at that video, you will hear me cite the very specific lines in which I raised concern. Can you I don't feel like you answered the question. Sure. Can you, can you raise? Can you answer the question now, or do we have to go back to February to, to hear the answer of what are the one or two specific lines that you're taking sure. issue with? I don't have the lines in front of me currently. If you look at the bill uh -huh. that's drafted, it references those lines and would repeal them and come about with the fix. Could anyone answer the question as to what is the one or two specific lines that people are taking issue with as far as the law is right now? Hi, Brian Padani again. Um, again, I don't have the actual bill in front of me. <laughs> okay, so they don't have the lines. Okay.
what this really seems like is the problem. And this is, they're banking on the ambiguity of it. So once again, what does this new law state? This new law states, if there's a threat of bodily harm or death, that an officer can basically do whatever they need to do to make sure people aren't hurt or no one dies. 100%. Kid brandishes a gun, all bets are off. You can do the, the specific holds that they do, holding a student uh, that are mentioned in the bill, holding a, a student face down in the prone position, basically what they did to George Floyd, or a head restraint, neck restraint, or across the torso. That you can't do those things. But if once again there's a threat of bodily harm or death, well, yeah, you can. The, the, all bets are off. You need to do what you need to do. So if they have the ability, if in a situation to do this. What's their problem? Because, all right, so you're saying I don't want an officer to get caught in a mistake. Well, if someone lips off to them, no, they shouldn't be putting that person down face down in the prone position. They shouldn't have a comprehensive head, neck, or, uh, you know, uh, across the torso restraint. No. I'm not saying that that's a good thing, and I obviously say that the officer should contact the local, the, the 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 front office and let them know about the student. But no, you can't just start throwing kids around because you don't like their attitude. If two people are raising their voice, not throwing punches, not wielding weapons, but they're raising their voice, a police officer can't just go in there and basically put them on the ground. And put one, you know, put one on the ground, face down, and then put another guy in a neck restraint. They can't do that. And by the way, can I just sort of say this? If you have an officer that can't tell the difference between these things, why the hell is that officer on your police force? Whatever force this is. Well, that got there. Two people are throwing haymakers. Well, that would be bodily harm or death. Ta-da! Tough freaking da. It also, by the way, says if they witness a crime happening. So if you see someone dealing drugs, they can make that arrest. Ta-da! What this doesn't allow is for a cop to walk through and basically harass somebody without cause. And it seems to me, and even the Republicans don't seem to be able to answer well, if you do have the ability to do this, if there's a problem, it's, it seems what their argument seems to be is, well, we have no idea when it's bodily harm or threat. So instead of taking that officer out of the school because they clearly can't determine what is and what is not a threat, we're going to leave them there. We just want you to give us the ability to say, oopsie, when that officer puts a baton across a kid's throat and tries to choke him out because the kid was giving him tood. That's an oopsie. Oopsie. You know, I back the blue. No. I, uh, I, this is, this is interesting. What is the problem with this bill? If it's just the fact that you say you can never have accountability for police officers, because that should be the next question. Those journalists ask him Duckworth. So if you get rid of this ability to basically say you can't have this, what kind of accountability do you have for the police officers? Which I imagine his answer is going to be, well, none. 
There is no accountability. Police officer can go in there and just punch a kid right in the freaking face. And you just have to like it because that's the way things are going to go. Because that's what it seems like the whole argument is here, is that police officers should be able to go in there and smack a kid around if they feel as they have a reason to, not a justification if they just want to. And when someone says, hey, you beat up a kid in the school, everyone wants to have the Republicans rush to the, yeah, wasn't it a righteous arrest? No. I, you know, you guys want to make a point of this? Fine. What you're saying is you want police officers to have zero accountability and to be able to go out and harass anyone ever there. Because if you have a problem with this law as it's written, then the problem you have is that there are some limits to what police can and cannot do. And these are not extraordinary limits. These are very reasonable limits. But yet you sit there and continually act as if any kind of accountability on a police officer to do just the bare minimum, not put a kid in a chokehold because he feels like it, not put a kid in the George Floyd position because they feel like it, that if he does any of those things, that they crossed a line. I'm tired of this crap, guys. I'm tired of police officers who say, well, we're for accountability. Okay, we're going to do the, the bare minimum freaking accountability you can do. How dare you? Come on. You guys aren't being serious here. So fine. Take your freaking toys and go home. Because you know what? I'm tired of this crap. I'm tired of this that, that, that we have to, for some reason, accept a police officer going off on a kid because I'd rather have that because you never know when the next kid could have a gun. And once again, hypotheticals upon hypotheticals upon hypotheticals to justify police action. That is not a system that works. Not anymore. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. We'll take a break. Come on back. Joe, hold on. I'll get your call after the break. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. So we, we had a troll call in here. Basically, he's like, they're not doing this, which I'm okay, fine. Then why do they have a problem with this law? Okay, then how come they have a problem with this law? Because once again, you know, threat of bodily harm, death, by all means, they can basically, there are no rules. They can still do whatever they need to do in those cases. So... What do they have a problem with? If a police officer makes a mistake or gets purposely too aggressive with someone, they don't want accountability for that. They want the ability to say, sure, he knocked out three teeth on that 14-year-old kid, but you know what? Good police work. That's what they seem to, because I can't figure this out if that's not what's going on. It's the only damn thing that makes any sense. The same people who say, of course, we're for police accountability. Okay, so let's put some police accountability. The bare minimum of accountability. So we're going to just say you can't just randomly beat a kid in the school. Whoa, whoa, liberal progressives. Ho, ho, ho. Hampering our ability. What ability? We just said you can't just beat a kid in the schools. Whoa, 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 you commies. Really? Because it would seem like that would be a really easy layup, no-brainer of a thing to do. And I just, I can't figure out why the Republicans and the police are so against 
minimal accountability that you just can't do these things to a random kid. Brett, am I missing something? I mean, okay, am I missing something? Seriously, am I missing something here? Because I just can't figure this out if, it's, if that's not the reason. I can't figure it out either. So it's, it's got to be just the fact that, sure, we want accountability, but how dare you hold us accountable? That's the only thing I can think of. Joe is in Bloomington, kind enough to hold. Welcome on in, Joe. Yeah, man, I, I just had a thought here. I know we we have a lot of good cops out there. We got yes. some bad cops, and it seems like a lot of times the bad cops really aren't addressed. And I was wondering if there's ever a settlement by the city, state, or whoever that a portion of the money has to come from the retirement fund of the cops. Uh, there are some people that have that have, and, and thanks, Joe. I appreciate the phone call. There are people that have uh, talked about making uh, police carry liability insurance. Stuff like that. And then, of course, how dare you hold accountable the police? Okay, I'm going to say this. Yeah, there are, there, are, there are a lot of good cops. I don't think a good cop is looking at this and saying, wow, this is horrible. I, I can't do this. I, I think that this is, you know, basically it's excuse making beyond the fact. I mean, okay, we've talked about this with the police and the over-aggressive nature that they sometimes have and the justification they use for it over and over again is hypothetical upon hypothetical upon hypothetical. Ricky Cobb was shot by state patrol on the highway there. Oh, he could have run his car into a school versus of, of, of blind nuns. He could have, he could have taken a nuclear bomb and blew up the city. Thank God they killed him, you know, but he didn't do those things. But you did kill him, but he didn't do those things. If you have to make up fantastical crimes to justify your actions, it should tell you your actions were probably a little out of line. This, the only thing I can look at with this whole case, the only thing I can see here is what they're saying is when a cop basically crosses a line and basically abuses a kid in the school... We don't want any level of accountability there because for the life of me, I can't see any other reason of what's justifying their frustrations with this bill. It makes no damn sense. I, I support the police. I do. And most cops are good cops, but this is, this just does seem like if you try to put, you know, there's a lot of police officers saying we're for accountability. This is putting in, this isn't even real strong accountability. This is just minor accountability and look at them throw a fit and pull their police officers. And I guess the only thing we can do is say, okay, fine, pull the cops. Because if you can't agree to this base standard, then... You know, I, I, I mean, what's the what's the point of being in there? I mean, the threat to the kids is probably greater than, you know, there. I just I can't for the life of me understand why this is doing this. Henry County Sheriff uh, Dewana Witt called the new lit- litigation ambiguous. And by the way, isn't it funny? Is it, they all keep saying ambiguous, ambiguous, ambiguous. Well, what's ambiguous? Well, we can't tell you right now. Uh, they're incompatible with the sworn duties of a police officer. Quote, in an ideal world, there will never be need for an SRO to use physical restraint in the school environment. But when the need to respond to a serious incident arises, they will need to know what they will know. They won't be held liable for appropriately fulfilling that duty. Once again, 
the law very specifically says if there's threat of bodily harm or death, force can be applied. What the hell do you have a problem with? Unless it's basically, well, when Junior gets out of line over there, you know he's a hothead. He's a freaking hothead. And sometimes he just loves his chokeholds. So if a kid, you know, I, I don't want to say this is good. I'm not saying this is good, but if a kid starts getting lippy with him, he might put him in a chokehold. And if he passes out and we have to call 911, well, I think we should just have him go back for some remedial training. I don't think you need to hold him accountable for violently attacking that child. You tell me what I'm freaking missing here. And I, I'll tell you what, anyone in the police departments, come and tell me what is the problem here. 952-946-6205. Any Republican, call me. Tell me what the problem is here. Because this is, it seems like, how dare you try to have even the most bare minimum level of accountability on any police officer? And like I said, every one of these quotes you hear from these police officers and Republicans, well, wait a second here, that's covered. You don't have to worry about it. There's ambiguity. Well, no, there's not. I mean, they want a bill that says police can do whatever they don't want to those kids and you have no recourse whatsoever. That's good. That's good police work. Um, George Floyd, 952-946-6205. We'll take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show, 952-946-6205. I'm just, I'm just at a loss. I mean, this is this is quite literally the biggest nothing burger I've ever seen because, like I said, the only thing that this bill is does is basically say, well, you 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 can't just start abusing kids in the halls without justification. I mean, I mean but if there's threat of bodily harm, which is a real vague term itself, or death, then by all means, anything is necessarily do what you need to do. So the only ones that are basically saying this is vague seem to be the police officers. And the only reason I can think that they're saying this is because they don't want any level of accountability at all, that they should have a police, that a police officer should be able to go do whatever he wants, put a kid in chokehold just because he doesn't like the shirt he's wearing that day. And as opposed to being held accountable for that, just, oh, we'll give him some remedial training. No, they should be held accountable for that. David is in St. Paul. He wanted to chime in on this. David, thanks for holding. Welcome to the show. Yeah, hey, thanks, Matt. I just wanted to say, um, you know, I, I believe Keith Ellison actually chimed in on this, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So I'm not 100% sure about this. But also, you know, it's at the discretion of the attorney general, of the prosecutors, the prosecuting. So if a police officer is in danger or they're going to stop something and they put someone in a hold to stop a specific incident from happening they're they're at the discretion not just of you know so so they're protected somewhat in here too well and, and, the, and also matt i i don't know if you saw this but but mitch mcconnell had another freeze-up session yeah we, we talked about that was so, we, we talked about yeah. that with stein last hour yeah and yeah okay, it's sorry it's about that. no it's okay, no problem that's no problem uh yep, by all means you. go podcast the stein interview that we did a little bit earlier that you can find that information there um no, Keith Ellison 
and Governor Walls both have basically said that it's up to the discretion. So it's it's not just like some kid can't come up. That officer did that. No, the officer can basically. And and once again, I'm going to go back to my the, the the way that the Republicans have written these walls. It doesn't surprise me at all that the Republicans are saying, "How dare you have any level of accountability for a police officer?" I have said this before. This is the level of accountability the Republicans have put into place. You could have a police officer who's off duty in a bar, say to a guy, drunk as a skunk, drunk as a skunk, look at a guy and say, I gotta get my gun. Go out to his car, drive drunk home, go get his gun, drunk, come back to the bar, drunk, come in the bar and shoot the guy. And all they basically have to do is, I was scared. I was scared. And they pretty much are going to get found to be innocent. That is the, there is no accountability. And I know that there was, that's not the case. No, there isn't. You would, if, if that exact scenario happened, I would have freaking every Republican in the state saying, you don't understand that. There was, you know, there, you gotta, you can't just prosecute an officer. It, it just seems like to me, the entire argument they have against this boils down to one thing. How dare you have any level of accountability at all? And if a police officer is a school resource officer is in the school and sees a kid, they just don't like they should be able to put them in the George Floyd position face down on the ground with their knee on their back until they say uncle. And I know that they'll say, well, no, we're not saying that, Matt. But then what's your problem here? Because the only ambiguity that's in this bill is the stuff that you guys keep screaming, which once again, when questioned of what's so ambiguous, you guys can't even answer it. I, I think, I mean, it, fine. If, I mean, it's let's just put it on. If a police officer can't guarantee that they're not just going to start randomly, you know, chokeholding kids in a the school, then yeah, maybe it's better that the, the police officers are not in the school. 952-946-6205. Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Fry on Tuesday accused City Council Member Robin Wansley. Uh-oh, fight. <laughs> choose, choose your fighter. Accused City Council Member Robin Wansley of lying when she told a media outlet that Fry had threatened to withhold city services like police and garbage collection by means of political retaliation. This is a lie, Fry said in an email to Wansley that he copied to all 12 other council members. Insinuating that I or my staff have ever said or done this is a lie. Our residents rely on the critical city services we provide and should never under any circumstance be used as pawns in a political game. Intentionally creating and spreading misinformation of this magnitude is beneath the office you hold. Now, I'm going to say this. I am not exactly the biggest supporter of Jacob Fry. I am not. But even I have a hard time believing that he would be so freaking brazen to suggest that he would withhold police and garbage and fire from a specific ward in the district. I mean, that's, you know, Jacob Fry's got issues. Megalomaniac is not one. That is not necessarily one of them. I am the God. Really? I didn't, uh, that's, I, no, I didn't see that one coming. 
In an interview with Unicorn Riot recorded on video and posted online Monday, Wansley leveled the accusations against Fry, but not provide any specific examples or evidence. In a Tuesday text to the Star Tribune, she said she was dealing with a family emergency and unable to immediately respond. Ladies and gentlemen, the tap dance. Once again, I'm not a fan of Fry, so this is I, I think this is interesting. It's hardly the first ever friction between Fry and Wansley, who are rivals on some of the city's most contentious issues, but it's a rare to see a public blow-up of such a spirited response from Fry. He generally aligned with the majority of council members who see themselves as supporting a progressive agenda, but no one so far is as left uh, not, none of one is no one as far as as, uh, as Wansley. Wansley is allied with a group of council members whose goals, which include strict rent control and limits on police funding, have been blocked by Fry and the majority. All council seats are on the ballot this fall's election, with the Fry-friendly majority potentially uh, in the balance. Wansley, who is running for re-election, is supporting several candidates who could, if they win, swing in the majority of the council, including Soren Stevenson, who is challenging council president Andrea Jenkins, a Fry Fry ally, uh, ally. The Star Tribune asked the rest of the council members if they are aware of any incidents fitting Wansley's description. As of Tuesday afternoon, no one had responded, said that they had. Several responded they had never heard of anything like that. Never texted council member Andrew Johnson, who sometimes functions as a swing vote on the council, and any suggestion that he, Fry, would do that has zero credibility in my opinion. And I got to say this, once again, I am not a Jacob Fry fan. I cannot see him making this threat. He's he's kind of weasley sometimes, man. This is that's not the guy that does this. That's not the guy that this that's the mayor, that's the mayor of the Texas town where the nearest uh, law enforcement besides the one he controls is 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 100 miles away telling you about how things go about around here. That's not Jacob Fry. That's not Jacob Fry. You know, so I, yeah, I don't think this is true. Uh, Any suggestion that Fry would do that is zero credibility, in my opinion. Council member Michael Rainville said, it's embarrassing to serve with someone who does not tell the truth. Wow, now you're going down that path. Unicorn Riot reported that council member Jason Chavez, an ally of Wansley, said he had not experienced or witnessed any threats of actions of revenge by Mayor Fry. So even one of her own allies has said, I don't know about this. The fact, the fact that Fry, okay, so we've talked about this sort of thing. We, we, when it comes up to stuff like this, stuff like this comes up with like that baseball player is taking steroids. And we, I have been here and, and said this before. That if someone said, if I was a baseball player and I was hitting a ball well and I was not taking steroids and someone said I'm taking steroids, I am marching myself down to the the the, the sample hut and, and peeing in the cup and being done with it saying, see, check this, I'm not wrong. That's exactly what Jacob Fry did here, which, you know, is he basically immediately said, no, 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 I'm not going to even allow this to fester. So, um... What Wansley said. Wansley's comments were in the context of the city's new strong mayor system approved by voters, but she accused Fry of wielding the authority like a boss of a political machine. Um, it's it, it's not what's uh, what's uh, Tannery Tannery Hall uh, Tannery Hall oh, Tam- Tammany Hall yeah. Tammany Hall that in New York it's not New York for goodness sakes. 
Wansley, who's lived in Chicago, invoked her former city accusing Fry of matching Chicago politician and political antics. Dude, no, 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 no. No one in Minneapolis comes close to what they do in Chicago. I mean, this is minor league ball compared to what the corruption they got in Chicago. Okay, so no. Um, the mayor will do like to do retaliatory expletive. Be like, I'll send, I'll limit comps to your ward, he said. He'll make threats to council members like that, or I'll make threats to roll back the delivery of services like you know and trust the staff. Like, if you need trash cleaned up, okay, well, let's see how you like it, how your constituents like it if trash is done and get picked up for a couple of days. Yeah, that's that's basically saying that Mayor Fry said that stuff. And so, no, he didn't. How Fry responded. In his email to Wansley, Fry wrote in part, Normally I do not take time to respond to allegations you make about me. Uh, it would take up too much time and garnering a response is clearly more of your aim than any particular policy agenda. Agreed. I think and that I'll agree with that. However, this most recent interview you, give, you gave deeply impacts our residents' trust in their local government, and I cannot allow this misinformation to go unchecked. He continued, I appreciate that your colleagues have either refused to back up your lie or in the case of the council member Chavez, he said that what every other council member would say if telling the truth, that's never happened. Fry asked Wansley to retract the lies or offer specifics. Council leadership has also responded. On Tuesday afternoon, Jenkins and Council Vice President Linnea Palmasano, also a Fry ally, issued a joint statement that reads, in our recent interview with Unicorn Riot, Council Member Robin Wansley made numerous false allegations about the legislative body and the city enterprise as a whole. As the body, the council has and embraces many different viewpoints, but collectively we strive to uphold basic values of decency, respect, inclusion, and truthfulness. Council Member Wansley's comments represent a sharp departure from those shared values. Facts matters. Telling the truth matters. We have seen the cost of sitting elected officials undermining democratic institutions by spreading information for personal and political gain. As members of this body, we call upon council member Robin Wansley to retract that false statement made by our colleague against her colleagues on the council, the mayor and the city staff. Okay. Fry didn't do this. I mean, I'm sorry. Unless there's like a secret. Is that what's going on? Is there like a Jekyll and Hyde thing? There, all of a sudden, he slips out the back door, and he's like, we'll see how you like it without fire department in your town. Burn, Scarecrow. Is that what's going on? Because I don't think that's going on either. Does sound very uh, Batman villain-esque. Okay, guys, stop. I get it. You're trying to make political points. But they're right. All you're doing is, if you're making this stuff up, then all you're doing is undermining faith within the institution, okay? So what I'm going to say to you is this. If you've got evidence that he did this, well, then bring it forward. And and I'll be shocked, but hey, if you've got evidence he said this, by all means. But if you don't, then you need to do some mea culpas. You need, you need to do some apologies because, yeah, this is, I guarantee you, if this is made up, you've probably just cost the anti-fry majority the chance to take control because you're going to lose a lot of your credibility right here. 952-946-6205. Let's take a break. Wrap up the show when we do return. It is the Matt McNeil Show on AM 950.
that's not Jacob Fry, man. And once again, I'm not a fan necessarily of Fry. But that's not him. That's... There are a few politicians. I well, I have zero doubt a few politicians would try to pull something like that. But that's not Jacob Fry. It's 952-946-6205. By the way, quick little shout out to our good friends in the next hour. Hey, let's do some time travel. What's coming up next hour? I'm going to let you know. Uh, Robert Pilot and crew, Native Roots Radio, I'm Awake. That's coming up. Are they alive at the fair again? I don't think they're there today. Okay. Uh, they've been out at the fair. You might be able to see them. You can see their booth. Their booth is once again in the Heritage Square over there, right? Yeah, yeah. Patrick had a chance to stop out there. I got to be, as well when I'm out there. This I'm going week. to go out there Friday. Yeah, for sure. In a heartbeat. They got really cool stuff. They got really cool stuff. Go check it out. Uh, their show coming up this afternoon, uh, Arvina Martin from the Ho-Chunk Nation uh, in Wisconsin is going to join them. Uh, Dr. Maureen Hackett, president and founder of Howling for Wolves. And Bob Blake uh, from the Red Lake uh, will be uh, on with the solar news with them. So join them in the five o'clock hour here today. Oh, poor Rudy Giuliani. Boy, man, I mean, his, his, his hair is going to be leaking a lot worse than usual. Sorry. Ruby Freeman and her daughter, oh, Andrea Shea Moss, sued Rudy Giuliani for defamation and false statements following a 2020 presidential election. Guess what? Uh, he basically has been found to have uh, allegedly defamed them. They won their case against him uh, today. On Wednesday, U.S. District Court Judge Burl Howell entered a ju uh, default judgment against the former New York mayor. A defendant can be ruled in default if they don't answer a complaint against them or fail to attend hearings. So it, it does sound like to a point he didn't even show up to the hearings, which is kind of interesting. But also, I guess that's if that's the only option you have because you know you have um, no recourse whatsoever in the case, that's trouble. Going to Scott McFarland from CBS News, who's been fantastic at covering all this stuff. He's a busy man. Judge orders uh, default judgment in favor of Moss and Freeman against Rudy Giuliani. Be this is, quote, before a final judgment may be entered reflecting the amount of compensative and punitive damage if any to be awarded plaintiffs a trial on such damages is required. Uh, Judge uh, Beryl Howell blasts Giuliani in her order. Donning a cloak of victimization may play well in the public stage to certain audiences, but in a court of law, this performance has served only to subvert the normal process of discovery in a straightforward defamation case. The judge wrote, uh, just just as as taking shortcuts to win an election carries risks, even potentially criminal liability, bypassing the discovery process carries serious sanctions, no matter what reservations a non-compliant party may have tried to artificially preserve the appeal. It basically is already also ordered that he has to pay legal fees. So, and Rudy doesn't have much money anyway. So, <laughs> oh man. The, it, I, I, I hope the guy doesn't have a drinking problem because, I mean, I imagine he's going to be schnuckered tonight. It'll be leaking. Grab a mop. Hey, we're back tomorrow. Have a good one. Till then, see ya.